0: morning. Kids are going out, I want to invite you to join me in 1 Kings chapter 10. We're going to look to God's Word together and let God's Word minister to us as a body. We do each and every week. And this week we will look to the first 13 verses of 1 Kings chapter 10 but as we have been doing over the past few weeks, we will see that those first verses will open up for us the entirety of the chapter, and so I encourage you uh, this afternoon to go and read the whole passage. Kids, let me have your attention. have got a place for you to focus today, okay? You're going to listen today for all the talk about glory. You're going to hear a lot about glory, and so I want you to listen for how do, we, how do we hear it, how do we see it in this passage, and as you listen for, for this discussion about glory, I want you to think about how are we called to recognize and to use glory, okay? Now as we get ready to look to God's Word, let's, let's ask for His blessing, prayer, you bow with me. Lord God, we come before you as a people who are grateful for your redeeming, sustaining power and a people who need your power. I come before you as as a mouthpiece. I ask that you speak through me. As we look to your word. Lord God, I pray that, that I would decrease; that Jesus would increase in our, our eyes, ears, and our hearts. Do this, we pray. His glory, our good. Amen. Because this is the inerrant and infallible Word, God. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind, and Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he had offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She said to the king, The report was true, that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever. He's made you king. That you may execute justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold. And a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices. As these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover the fleet of Hiram. Which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great amount of almug wood and precious stones. And the king made of the almug wood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almug wood has come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. This is the word of the Lord. You know, we, we have the ability to judge the weather by, by viewing the clouds out on the horizon. Sometimes we see storm clouds out there. Sometimes those storm clouds are are dark and foreboding. The the gusting winds announce their their arrival. Sometimes the storm clouds on the horizon, they, they glitter like gold. There's a lot of gold in this chapter. And it begs several questions for us as we consider it. The gold is meant to point us to glory. The gold represents glory, but who does that glory and who does that gold belong to? Where is the line between favor and excess, between abundance and an extravagant wastefulness? Maybe more importantly, as we consider these questions about gold and glory, are they to be answered in terms of the size of the gift, perhaps, in terms of their use. First 11 chapters of, of First Kings, they, they tell the story of King Solomon's reign. But as we have made our way through those first 11 chapters, and as we near their conclusion, we are nearing the edge of a cliff. What are the warning signs? Or the storm clouds. Use your metaphor. What are, those, what are those warning signs that ought to be waving Solomon off, stopping him before he crosses over that edge of the cliff? And Do we see any of them in our own lives? We're going to explore those questions as we look to this text. Before we get to the warning signs, let's, let's first acknowledge the goodness This gift of wisdom and wealth. Do you remember weeks ago, earlier on in our our time in 1 Kings, back in 1 Kings chapter 3, when when the Lord first visited Solomon at Gibeon, and he asked him, what shall I give you? And Solomon answered well. He said, "Give give me wisdom, give me a discerning mind. That answer pleased the Lord. And there in 1 Kings chapter 3, 10 through 13, we read, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you. And none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, that no other king shall compare with you all your days. The Lord promised, and the Lord gave. And he gave abundantly, and it's all on display for us here in this story as the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon. How about the queen? She was powerful and, and wealthy in her own right. We, we see it in this discussion of her retinue. Now, I'll confess to you, I had to look up that word because I had no idea what it meant. All right? A retinue is an entourage. It is a group of advisors, assistants that accompany a very important person. We see the discussion of the discussion of that retinue, not only in the assistants and the advisors, but the camels that carried her goods and spices. Queen of Sheba was no slouch. But word had reached her about Solomon and all her all his glory, and so she came to see. I'm reminded somewhat of the Biltmore house in Asheville, North Carolina. You know, poor people don't actually go see the Biltmore House. They can't afford it. Ticket at holidays costs $110 each. Those people with money come to see the picture of more money. And as I have heard, they don't go away disappointed. Biltmore House is 179,000 square feet. Located on 8,000 sprawling acres. The house itself is is the manifestation of, of luxury and wealth and excess. There are 35 bedrooms and 43 bathrooms. All pointed with everything that you could desire. So... People come from far and wide to look, and ironically, to give them their money. queen came. She came to see. She came to hear. She tested Solomon and all that she had heard. True. And more she saw the opulence of, of Solomon's kingdom and it did not disappoint. There was gold everywhere and there's gold everywhere in this chapter when you go home, as I'm sure you're going to do and read the rest of the chapter. You'll see the gold is mentioned 10 times in verses 14 through 29 and guess what the queen did? She gave more. The text tells us that that she gave Solomon 120 talents of gold. That is the modern-day equivalent of $200 million. It was a drop in the bucket. As Solomon, on an annual basis, would receive in excess of a billion dollars worth of gold. So she, queen of Sheba, gave this gold, the gift of wealth, ultimately was from the Lord, along with the wisdom that Solomon displayed to her and to the watching world. Now we'll process all of that in a moment, how he displayed that wisdom and wealth. But first, let's just see that the Lord provided it. There is Undoubtedly, a, a positive tone in this text as it describes all of, of the wealth. And, and perhaps that positive tone is meant to highlight that this was the very pinnacle of, of the nation of Israel. It was, the, it was the peak of the Davidic dynasty. Israel was, was at the top of its glory here. But on another level... All that we see and hear about Israel in this passage is meant to point us to the kingdom to come, to the future city, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and new earth, which Revelation 21, 18 tells us is a city of pure gold. This is a picture of glory, and it points us beyond to a greater picture of glory. The queen of Sheba had heard about it, and she came, so she came to see and to hear, and Solomon performed and showed out and took her breath away. That begins to indicate that there's more happening here. They, for they are, they say that all that glitters is not gold text is telling us that all that is gold does not glitter there's no doubt giver of good gifts has given in abundance but the question for Solomon and the question for us is to what end? to what end has he given all of this wisdom and wealth read chapter 10 You see, this discussion of of the wisdom and wealth, it feels over the top, probably because it feels like it is entirely focused on Solomon. It is meant to emphasize the glory of God, but on at least two fronts, this text points to an abuse of those good gifts, to an abuse of wisdom and wealth that. That ought to have been warning signs waving Solomon off and need to serve as warning signs for us as well. The first of, of those two that I want to put before you, those two abuses, is, is the abuse of self centered indulgence. Earlier in our time in 1 Kings, I, I took us back to Deuteronomy. Chapter 17. There in Deuteronomy chapter 17 the Lord spoke through, the, through Moses warning the people of Israel what would happen when, when they asked for a king like the nations around them. And also warning the king of what he was not to do. Deuteronomy 17, particularly verses 16 through 17, warn against those abuses there. We read, only he, that is the king, must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. We've already seen in in 1 Kings how how Solomon had acquired many horses as we heard the, the extravagant number of horse stalls that he built. But what's added here in this text in chapter 10 is that he actually went to Egypt to get those horses. And so with the excessive silver and gold there is only one of four remaining warnings that Solomon has not yet broken or at least we've not yet heard about and we'll come to that in the very first verse of the next chapter. The warning against many wives. Solomon here in this chapter is following the playbook of self-centered indulgence. Psalm 19.10 tells us that the law of the Lord is to be more desired than much gold. And yet Solomon seems to be saying, you keep the law, I'll keep the gold. But as we read on and on in chapter 10. It's not as if that it's only others who were bringing this gold to Solomon. He had a wise and discerning mind and he put it to use. Solomon sent out traders to grow his wealth and we see the folly in it all. There later in chapter, at the end of chapter 10 in verses 26 and then 28 and 29, we read the account. Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. Verse 28 And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Q, and the king's traders received them from Q at a price. The chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Here's what's happening there. Solomon is sending out his traders, and they are buying low in Egypt. And they're going to Syria and selling high. In other words... Solomon is making a fortune in the international arms trade. It will come back to bite the nation of Israel because before long, Solomon will pass. But as we read the rest of 1 and 2 Kings, we'll see that in due time, both the Egyptians and the Syrians would come back to attack Israel. Folly in this search after excess. The abuse of wisdom and wealth distorted Solomon's moral judgment because he used it all for his own self-centered indulgence and in so doing, it turned his focus inward with a focus on the gift rather than the gift giver. Leads us to the second blatant abuse wisdom and wealth in this text not only did Solomon indulge himself with all the lord had given but he became a glory thief i think we see it in two places in this text the verse the first is in verse 1 verse 1 tells us now when the queen of Of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. I've wrestled with that phrase this week, trying to understand is that a good thing or a bad thing? What's going on there? And it's a little bit confusing in the translation. Studied it. One of the commentators has helped me see that both as you look at the original Hebrew and then consider the translation in context, maybe a more appropriate translation is the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon that belonged to the name of the Lord. Fame, glory, the honor, it belonged to the Lord. But Solomon took it. He either actively took it or he passively accepted the credit. And we See it and hear it hears as the queen of Sheba just gushes on and on like a lovesick schoolgirl talking about her crush. What is Solomon doing? He's that arrogant and aloof schoolboy who sits off to the side receiving it as his ego grows and grows. And then we come to verse 9. In the first reading, it, it looks like the queen is blessing the Lord. She is in a sense, but why is she blessing the Lord? Why is the queen praising the Lord in verse 9? She says, Blessed be the Lord your God, whom has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king. You may execute justice and righteousness i'm trying to be careful to not read into the text the warning i give all of us as we study the word but as i consider what she is saying and as i consider it in context it is if she is praising the lord because he was smart enough to see what a good thing he had in solomon and placed solomon there because the lord needed solomon to do this work in other words it feels a lot like the queen is praising solomon Rather than the Lord, Solomon sits by, and he receives it all as his just due. Guess what a glory thief does. A glory thief steals, either actively or passively. He hoards the goods and the gold and the fame that belongs to another and is meant to be used to serve others the lord our god is the king of glory and the glory is to be ascribed to him and to him alone and so it's not just that solomon is a glory thief stealing what rightfully belongs to the lord there's also the queen who misdirects glory What is meant to be ascribed to the Lord? She ascribes to Solomon. Both of them are blinded by the glitter and the abuse of the good gifts of God. Warning sign. Meant to tell us and meant to tell Solomon that the cliffs are fast approaching. What about the warning signs in our lives? The question before us is how might we appropriately use the wisdom and wealth that has been given to us by the Lord our God? Now, mind you, as we consider our own warning signs, they they have the same root as those that were there for Solomon, but they look a bit differently. Most of us are not receiving billions and dollars of gold praising the Lord for our presence in smaller ways we're tempted towards self-centered indulgence and glory stealing or alternatively we can be like the queen Sheba who wrongly assigned glory to a man to a leader to a pastor when that glory is meant for Jesus and for Jesus alone. The warning signs in our lives. What are we to do about them? Maybe the best way to recognize and to guard against those warning signs is to fight for the opposite in our lives. What are the gifts that the Lord has given you and why has he given them to you? He gave Solomon wealth wealth. And wisdom to us he also gives some combination of physical and and spiritual gifts even if in the moment we struggle to see them why why does he do this well first of all let us acknowledge and celebrate the fact that our god is a good and loving father and he gives gifts to his children good gifts meant to be enjoyed tells us over and over again that those gifts are best enjoyed when they are enjoyed in union with Him in service to Him and for the building up of the body of Christ so I ask you do you have the gift the physical gift of a strong back the spiritual gift of service Enjoy those gifts and use them in the service of the Lord and for the building up of the body of Christ. I have seen you this week do just that with those gifts in beautiful ways, and you've done it for no glory. I've peeked out the window of this building and seen you serving the body of Christ for no no attention using your gifts of service and at times your gifts of a physically strong back. I've seen you helping friends move. Continue to enjoy these gifts that the Lord has given you for the building up of the body of Christ. Do you have a wise and discerning mind? Have you been given the gift of giving? If so... Enjoy and exercise those gifts. Go buy low and sell high. Make a profit, but enjoy it. The glad and generous heart, using the fruit of those gifts to glorify the Lord our God and to build up his body. Whatever the gifts are that the Lord has given you, the specific application will vary. It will vary from person to person in this room, but the direction and the heart they do not vary. The glory of God for the building up of the body and so let us celebrate those gifts in our lives and those gifts in others. Let us celebrate the gift of leaders but let us never, ever, ever confuse the leader with the King of Kings. Our God, He is a generous Father, and He is a good gift giver. To recognize that all that you have and all that you are is from Him and for Him. Enjoy Him by living for His glory and building up the body, the church. I believe, I was trying to remember, I believe I have put before you in our time in 1 Kings, connecting passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through 15 the apostle Paul said these words he had been called to a hard ministry he had been called to suffer for the lord he had been called to a ministry of wandering for wandering he said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 for the love of Christ controls us Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In other words, the giver of good gifts has given the gift of life. And so he is calling us to live it with joy for his glory and to... Be all in, wherever he has us. In this way, this way we store up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where no thief will break in, and steal. Part of the application for us in this text is an application to do. Do. Live for the glory of God with all of the gifts that He has given. That is only part of the application. Because in addition to the doing that we ought to derive from this text, there is a more fundamental application that the Scripture points us to in relation to this passage. And that application is not a doing, it is a resting. It is a call to rest in the glory of true wisdom and wealth. Solomon, with all his wealth and with all his wisdom, he also knew or at least knew of the Lord. And in the entirety of the Word of God tells us that on some level, Solomon began to recognize that gold is a poor savior. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks of that as he calls everything under the sun vanity or folly. Ecclesiastes 2, 18 and 19, he speaks of the vanity of of all the labor, all the toil that that he toils because, because the fruit of that toil will eventually go to another. Job gives us a different take on that. In Job 1, 21, he says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. See, Job at least went on to bless the Lord, saying the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Solomon, Job, they knew the Lord. The queen of Sheba, however, she was a Gentile. She came from a foreign land. It means that, that she was ignorant of the Lord. She had not been raised with the blessing of the ministry of the Word of God, and she did not know any better. Of course, she was looking around at the world around her with a perspective that was under the sun, that is, ignorant of the presence of a great God. And so, of course, she gushed over the wealth that she saw in Solomon's kingdom. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because from an earthly perspective, Chasing after the world is all that we have. From an earthly perspective, we're called to strive after earthly comforts. Solomon missed the chance to point her to the true source. But in time, one way or another, all of us gain an eternal perspective. Either in this life, or in the next. And the same was true for the Queen of Sheba. And that takes us to the rest of the story. The story as Jesus preached it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. There we come to Jesus' words. As he says, the Queen of the South, or the Queen of Sheba, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came. From the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. That something greater than Solomon is someone greater than Solomon. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of glory. And yet he is the one who humbled himself. Who emptied himself of that glory. That he might live a life pointing to the glory of the Father. Jesus, the owner of all, came not to self-indulge, but to give himself as an indulgent ransom for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, the Lord bestows physical and spiritual gifts on his people for his own glory and for the good of the church but the greatest gift that he has given the church is his son Jesus Christ and in Jesus we have the gift of grace it is the gift of redemption that is available to all who will call on the name of the Lord in faith and to those who do the Lord Jesus Christ says come Rest. Friends, I believe that is the message that Jesus has for us today. And I believe it is the testimony of the Queen of Sheba. Offered the glory thieves like us. The message is this. Come and rest. Come and live. God alone be the glory. Lord Jesus, you are our king. You are the king of glory. Shared your glory with us. Give us hearts to see you. Give us hearts to hear you. Give us hearts to live for, for your glory and our good.